Hello, and welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the William Isaac and Michael Oxley Center for Business Leadership, aka the CBL. The center focuses on values-based leadership, which embraces authenticity and inclusivity to create a holistic, integrative, practical, and relationships-based business leadership approach. Our hope is that this podcast will enrich your life with insights that will help you become a better values-based leader. I'm Lena Rutherford, and I'm your host. For this episode, I had the privilege of interviewing the Dean of the Farmer School of Business at Miami University, Mark Rubin. Mark has been the Dean for almost two years now, but he has spent over 30 years in academia as an accounting professor, chair of the accounting department, interim, and now full-time Dean. Most of his career has been at his alma mater, Miami University, where he pursued a Bachelor of Science degree in accounting as an undergraduate. He is also a CPA and he has a PhD in accounting from the University of Texas in Austin. Mark has also been a member of the American Accounting Association, aka AAA for this discussion, for over 20 years and has served as a member and chair of several committees. He has also been on the board of directors and is now the president for over 7,500 members. On a more personal side, Mark is a Miami merger and married his high school sweetheart. These are just the highlights of Mark's experience, but what really sets him apart? When I sat down with him, I was struck by his humility, his passion, his willingness to volunteer, his openness to new opportunities, his commitment to a strong work ethic, and his empathy. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you're a Miami student, don't be afraid to talk to Mark, although you might want to call him Dean Rubin. He has an open door policy, and you might just see him walking around Farmer handing out candy every once in a while. Without further ado, here's my interview with Mark. How did you end up in academia? Did you always know you wanted to go into academia? Do you know anybody who thought growing up they wanted to be an accounting professor? If you do, there is one, and that's Hiker's daughter. Oh, how that funny. Because <laughs> her father grandfather were accounting professors. Mm-hmm. So, no, I had no intention of going into academia. I was a Miami undergrad. Mm-hmm. Came here, I was going to go to law school. I was an accounting grad uh, major, but I was absolutely planning to go to law school. Yeah. Uh, and then I got to know the department chair very well. Right. So I had him for a couple of classes. And so uh, my senior year, after actually being admitted to law school, I was talking to him and I go, I think that's the job I want. Hmm. So that's really what caught me curious about, oh, what, what does it take to become an accounting professor, mm-hmm. more or less. So applied to graduate uh, school in business uh, my senior year and had to decide between law school and business school. Hmm. And I didn't flip a coin, but I kind of thought about it and decided I liked accounting a lot, knew a lot about accounting, and I thought hanging around a place like Miami was not the worst job in the world. <laughs> stuff. It was pretty appealing. And so uh, I pursued graduate degree in business, then I decided to work for a while, and then uh, my wife and I both decided to go get our doctorates uh, at the same time. Hers is in psychology, mine in accounting. Mm. And so that was kind of how my path led to this job. But no, I wouldn't have ever guessed you know, that this was going to happen at all. When you were growing up, what did you think you were going to end up being? That's a good question. Um, my father actually had an accounting degree. My mother was a bookkeeper. So genetically, I think I was predisposed to doing something in accounting. At first, I thought I was going to be an engineer, uh, you mm-hmm. know, do the math science thing. And then I was like, eh, I'm not sure to do that. 
And so by the time I hit college, I really did thought I was going to be a lawyer. Hmm. So, uh, so probably uh, coming to Miami, even though I was an accounting major, because I thought that was a good way, and, you know, good profession in case I didn't go to law school or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But uh, my intention, I took a lot of political science here hmm. as an accounting major, even because I thought I was going to be law school. So, uh, and uh, but then when I got to know the faculty, and that's the Miami in a say, way. One of the cool things about Miami is you got to know faculty, mm-hmm. just like you get to know faculty in the CBL or whatever. You get to know faculty, and you go, "Wow, I, they're giving me something I never thought about doing, whether it's even university life or something else." Mm-hmm. And so, getting to know the faculty here, and I got to know the department chair well, but other faculty as well too. And I decided that was something that I really thought I could pursue and possibly do well. So that's kind of where that went. So. You know, my story is a little unique because I did actually sit at my mentor's desk when I became department chair of accounting. Wow. That literally, I was in that office, I used to sit on one side, and now I was on the other side. How many people ever get to do that? (laughs) Super privileged, honored, you know, wow. So what made you start thinking you wanted to go the law route instead of accounting? Uh, I just think it was kind of the peer pressure in the times. Mm. I grew up, it was Watergate era, kind of especially while my years in college, and everybody either wanted to be a journalist or a lawyer to save the world, because okay. we thought the world was kind of disappearing in front of us with post-Vietnam War, uh, Watergate, that kind of made us very dis- disenchanted with a lot of what was going on. Mm. And so I thought law was one way to kind of get into the system and change the system, uh, you know, type of thing. So that was kind of more interesting in law, and it was just... Oh, you know, when you're growing up in my neighborhood, a lot of people want to become doctors, lawyers, that type gotcha. of thing. So it was a profession. Guys, I didn't know that much about accounting, even though my dad had a degree in it. I said my mother, but I didn't really know much about it. It just sounded like, yeah, I was good at numbers, so that probably mm-hmm. was a cool thing to do. <laughs> or a cool way to go to law, if that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. My dad got his degree in accounting as well, yeah. and I asked him how he ended up doing that or why, and he said, well... It's just the classes I kept getting A's in, so I figured might as well just keep getting them to get A's. <laughs> that's right. so, so few people really know much about accounting mm-hmm. uh, when they enter in college. I mean, that's a lot. If you know about the farmer school, some of the biggest majors that are declared coming in, one is business economics, but it doesn't end up graduating that many students because so many students don't know about the other majors. And so they know about economics because a lot took it in high school or whatever, but then they come here and find out about supply chain or uh, leadership and you know whatever else it might be, even marketing analytics or all those things. How many mm-hmm. people ever do anything about that in high school, right? They yeah. don't. But then they come here, learn about that, and go, oh, that's what I want. That's yeah. what I want to go do. Yeah. So that's kind of how I was, although kind of a different path, but more or less that's how I went. Yeah, so, very yeah. cool. Can you tell me a little bit more about how the relationship between you and the department chair started and continued? I will, but this is a really unusual and very sad in some ways. Okay. okay, that's okay. I had, back then we were on three quarters. We were on quarter system, I mean, so mm-hmm. three quarters a year. I had them for two classes, never talked to him. I was good in accounting, I never needed to go in in office hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was approachable, but he was the department chair, right? And I'm just a student. And I'd sit in the class and just do my work and did very well, and that was it. Mm-hmm. By the third time I had him for a class, there was a tragedy with one of my friends. Mm. And he called me in and said, I want to know. I know you were friends with this person. I want to know what happened to him. Can you tell? So he called me in, and that's the person I had a discussion with him wow. about something. And, and then I also saw 
was so empathetic. He really cared about the students. Mm. I didn't, you know, I, I never had that kind of relationship with, with him at all. It was more or less, he teaches accounting, I take tests, I do well, that was the end of it. But when I saw the other side of him, and he was so concerned about what had occurred, um, I got to know him, and then I would go into his office all the time and just talk about life. Mm. I never really talked about accounting that much, but I got to know a lot about him, where he was from, what he enjoyed to do, more about his family, those kind of things. And so that kind of blossomed, and he got to know, not my wife, that time my girlfriend, or I guess it was already my fiance that time as a senior mm. as well too. And so she would sometimes come with me, so he got to know her as well. Uh, even after I graduated Miami and I was working in Chicago, I came back here and visited his house wow. and stuff like that. And when I interviewed back here, um, he was not of great health anymore, but he said, you know, for you, I came out to, to kind of see you on the interview. I never really saw him that much after I got here. And he had passed away. He was in not good health and then passed away, oh, maybe five or six years after I got here. Mm. But he, he was great. I mean, he was very business-like, but also had that soft side to him as well. And mm. that, was, that was just really cool. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. It, it was something else. It, it, it's, it's weird how strange things can dictate your life. Because mm -hmm. if my friend hadn't had this tragic incident, right, would he have ever called me in? Would I ever have gotten to know him? Would I have ever done what I'm doing today? Mm -hmm. Has that changed how you've approached relationships? It does. It does. Because I think you never know what doors are going to open to you. Mm -hmm. And so you, you kind of have to peek behind every door because you don't know really what, what, what's out there and what you want to pursue and what your passion is. I never thought my passion was going to be to be an academic and then to be an admi academic administrator. That Even when I became an academic, I didn't think <laughs> I was going to be an academic administrator. Now I've done that half of my career. Wow. has been in administration because I became department chair and then dean, and that's been 16 years now. So it's virtually half of my academic career has been in administration, which, again, I didn't plan on. But when the situation presented itself, I took a look and said, yeah, I'll try that out. Kind of stuff. I even did that in public accounting. When I was in public accounting, technology was just becoming to be more and more used. And they said, gee, do you want to be a computer auditor? Well, what is it? <laughs> they go, well, you go off, we'll train you, and you'll go do this stuff. And I go, okay. I never looked an educational opportunity down. I would never say no. If someone's willing to pay, pay my salary for me to go learn more, I'm all in. Mm. And so that door kind of opened up. And then, you know, these other doors have opened up as well, too, so. How have you said when the situation presented itself, you said yes to it, like with this administrative position? Mm -hmm. What did that look like? Was someone saying, will you do this, or did it you It was a combination, actually. Uh, say somebody was stepping down from the department chair when I first did this. So um, I actually first had an opportunity to do it, and I said no. I was still early on in my, in my career at Miami, and I just it wasn't the right match at that time. Then the chair stepped down, and they did a chair search, and some people threw my name in. Mm. So I interviewed for it. And then after I interviewed for it, they offered it up to say, are you willing, you know, do you want to be the department chair? At that time, it was it was kind of a strange situation because we had a lot of senior faculty, and I was actually, at that time, still one of the younger faculty. Mm. And then we were going to have a lot of changeover because a lot of these folks were going to retire in the next five years or so, which mm. did ultimately happen. So I said, okay, I'll be the department chair, not knowing a lot of what that really was about, 
you know, I, I, I observed department chairs in the past, but did I ever really know what they did? No. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of stepped into it, and, you know, and like almost any kind of new thing, there are ups and downs. There are things that you think you're doing well, and you may not be doing as well as you think, and there are things you're probably doing better than you think you're doing as well, too. And you kind of get that feedback, and, you know, I kind of grew into the job over a year or two, and then seemed to, to manage that for 14 years, so it was a long time uh, as department chair. But now, you know, it, it, those were not something, so, oh, do you want to be department chair? No, I didn't have it like, oh, I got to be department chair. But at the time, when somebody stepped down, and they said, you know, would you consider that? Yeah, sure, I'll take a look. And it worked out pretty mm-hmm. well. So. so it sounds like a lot of the moves you've made in your career have been, you were open to the opportunity. Someone probably threw your hat in the ring or suggested that you move up, and then you assessed if you thought you were ready or not. and Very much so. Jumped in Very if you thought. Very much so. I never thought I was going to become the dean either. Did you think you were ready to become a chair or ready to become the dean? I probably thought more about as dean that I could do the job. I didn't know what I was getting into a department chair that much because, mm. again, I'd been around the university. I'd been at Miami for, I guess it was uh, 13 years, and I had taught at another university before that for five years. So I'd been a faculty member for a good chunk of time, but you know, I never really thought about administration that much and what it all takes, and they didn't tell you a lot. Mm. Most department chairs, if you ask them, did you get a lot of information before you became department chair? The answer usually is no. You know, you're an academic. You're, you're, you're research and you do your teaching and you might do committee work, but you don't think about being an administrator that much until, oh, now it's open. I should think about it. But you don't have a lot of time to think about it. It's not like I prepared this for years. Yeah. There are some faculty who do, but most don't. Yeah. Kind of stuff. It's like, oh, okay, now i got to think about it. i got a short window to decide whether I want to step up or not and try that out. Mm-hmm. The dean's job was all, I, I since I'd been administrator for 14 years before before coming to dean, I knew a lot about administration by that time, mm-hmm. but I had kind of dismissed becoming a dean. Really? I was kind of getting senior in my career. I had not, I guess, I had not applied for this job, mm-hmm. okay? They did a search, and that, when they first asked me to be the interim dean, and I didn't apply for that. Mm-hmm. And they said, would you be willing to do it? And I talked to the provost, and she said, are you willing to do it? I said, sure. But I said, I'm not going to be applying for the permanent position, which mm-hmm. I did not. They did a search. They didn't find a good match. They said, would you stay on for at least a few more years? I said, I'll do anything Miami virtually asked me to do. <laughs> not everything, but virtually anything that Miami asked me to do. This, you know, this school in many ways has been my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to school here four years. And so much of my career, this is finishing 29 years as a faculty member. So add that 33 years, that's half of my life has been on this campus wow. kind of stuff too. And uh, it's been a great, it's been a great ride. I mean, I've got to teach in Luxembourg. I've taught in Korea. I've taught, in, uh, you know, taking trips with students to Southeast Asia. When, you, know, you know, beside other things, went to Everest. Yeah. When my dad was alive, he said. He became an accounting professor, which he didn't really understand why I would do this. Law. <laughs> he understood what a lawyer was. He didn't really understand what an accounting professor was, and most people don't. But he goes, I never thought you would see the world as an accounting professor because I visited a number of countries um, doing conferences or, or whatever, or student trips. And he goes, I didn't guess that was going to happen either. But, it, it, you know, again, it's one of those great things you can take advantage of. And Let's dig into that a little bit more because I think – a lot of students have a perception that life is this linear line and 
you go to school, you get a job at a big four, and then you work your way up to the management system, and that's what life is going to look like. Yeah. How have you dealt with that ambiguity in life? I guess I never really had that real, like, this is exactly what I want to do, and I'm going to, and I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a bit more, I'll go with the flow. I'm not totally comfortable with just, hey, you know, wherever, like, I'm an accountant after all. Like, <laughs> certain, it's got to add up. Yeah. Matter of fact, when I was in grad school and I was getting my doctorate at the University of Texas, I had a faculty member. And, uh, and I took a lot of government. That was one of my outside areas. And uh, we were talking about risk. And he goes, you know, you're in a PhD program. You're taking a lot of risk because, you know, to get a job. And I go, Professor Schwartz, I'm not taking that big a risk. I'm an accounting. <laughs> right now there are about 10 jobs for every one of us graduates. So mm-hmm. I'm not as risky as you think I might look like. Because mm-hmm. in some other areas, there aren't very many jobs for necessarily new, newly minted PhD. But in accounting, there, there has been a mm-hmm. pretty good job market for many, many years. So... I won't say that I'm the most, you know, just laid back. I, I, I suppose I took very calculated risks that minimized it, but yet I didn't know what I was going to get into. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to kind of go with that. I had strong support from my family, which made it very comfortable, too. I was married at a young age. I was high school sweethearts. My, my wife and I are a Miami merger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got married as soon as I graduated Miami. And it's almost 44 years you know, wow. that we've been married. And that gives me a very strong uh, foundation of, Okay, we got challenges, but we do these challenges together. My parents are always supportive as well too, mm-hmm. and stuff. And I've got you know, wonderful kids now, grandkids. You know, everybody's, and that's important. I mean, not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. I wish everybody had that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that, but that's that, that's been a big help too. Because my wife and I was always like, I don't know where we're going next, but we're doing it together, kind wow. of stuff. You okay. Know? Uh, there was a, a a song back in I guess this was the '80s, Art Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. I heard of them. Mm-hmm. Still? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know? And he had a song, uh, something about, we are going, heaven knows where we are going, we'll know when we're there. Or some, that's how I always felt it was. Yeah. I go, we're going. I don't know where we're going, but we'll know when we get there. Yeah. And, and life will work out. I would love to hear your experience in uh, AAA. Oh, yeah. And has that been a similar thing where you've just landed in random positions or have you thought strategically about the positions you've taken because you've had a lot of positions there yeah i did um that was willing to volunteer and then things fall in your lap after that okay and so i was lucky when i first became an accounting professor that i you know uh, i was in a fairly small specialty group Mm -hmm. in the american accounting association so, uh, and, you know, don't, it's not the auto club, guys. Whoever's listening, <laughs> AAA is not the American Automobile Association. It's the American Accounting Association. Yeah. Just trying to differentiate. <laughs> and so uh, they brought me in right away into this small uh, group, specialty group. It was uh, government accounting. And there weren't a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, well, how would you like to be on this committee? Okay, fine. I will. I, there was that much work, and I'm glad... And then the networking and all these things, and then they would throw more at me. Okay, will you do this? Sure, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Most of it was really interesting work. And then they'd say, oh, does anybody want to volunteer for committees? And I'd throw my name in, and then they'd come back and say, well, are you willing to serve on this committee? Sure. And then that I got to really network with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then some people knew who I was, you know, and said, oh, were you willing to do this? And then when I became a department chair, there was a different specialty group for accounting department chairs. Mm-hmm. And given I had actually a fairly long, long longevity as department chair, 
I knew that group, got to that group and, and got okay. active in that group. And then a friend of mine said, hey, how would you like to coordinate our convention, our big national meetings? This was about six years ago. Mm -hmm. Sure, I'll do that too, kind of stuff. And then uh, they said, okay, will you chair this committee? Okay, I'll chair that committee. Then they said, well, we went to contested elections. We never had, used to be, there was a nominating committee, they put one person in, vote, and that's it. Well then, mm -hmm. a number of years ago, uh, we changed our uh, policies and we had to have a contested election, at least two people running. And so, unbeknownst to me, they put my name up for one of the positions to run against someone. They go, are you willing to run? Sure, I'm willing to run. <laughs> so, I ran, became a board of director member. Mm -hmm. Then, I got a call, and this was a couple of years ago already, are you willing to run for president? Sure, if you think I'm, well, I don't even know who I'm running against. I have no idea. Yeah. They said, are you willing to run for president? Yeah, sure, I'm willing to run for president. That's where I am today. <laughs> as well, too. So a lot of it was, it was a great group. I believed in the group. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of benefit, especially early on in my career, from the group and then continued on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always willing to give back. You committed to Same it. way in Miami. You know, if, if somebody gives to you, I always felt, you got to give back. You know, if you want me to do it, I'm willing to do it. I'm not forcing myself. Somebody said, oh, did you always want to be president of the American Accounting Association? I go, no. <laughs> 7,500 members. Who thinks they're going to be president of a group of 7,500 members? Of any one of them could have been president. Mm -hmm. I only got a, you know, a chance to be president for maybe a 10-year period, uh, period of time, when you think about it, mm -hmm. until you're well-known, before you go to retire, blah, blah, blah. It's only you know, maybe a decade. So there's 10, 10 times that you might do this with 7,500 members out there who could be capable of doing it. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a little less, but still, that idea. So no, you don't think about doing it. But whenever they gave me something to do, I try to do it well. Um, I think at least I try to do it well. I suppose other people think I'm doing well enough that they're doing so. So that's kind of how that fell out. Mm -hmm. I would have never expected really that to happen, to get up in front of a con convention of you know, thousands of people and go make speeches and introduce people and act goofy, which I did on my, in, in my speech when I accepted the presidency this last summer. We had a robot up there and it was a, we did a little different cool. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, sometimes you can act a little weird and get away with it. <laughs> but, you know, this, this summer I get to be kind of the representative of the American Accounting Association at the European meetings in Cyprus, at the Australian New Zealand meeting, New Zealand meetings in Brisbane, Australia. Lucky me. That's all I can say is lucky me. Yeah. You just don't know that that's going to happen. But a lot of us don't say no. Yeah. Especially if you're... And meet if people. If you've got networking, and if you have a passion. I mean, you really believe in the organization. I don't, you know, some students in my study, you know, sometimes you join organizations just to put them on your resume or, mm -hmm. oh, but no, you know, when I joined, I wanted to join. You were all in. Active, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I'll do whatever you ask me to do kind of stuff. And if you do it well, you get noticed, kind of stuff. Gotcha. But, you know, I never lobbied or said, gee, please let me run or whatever that. No, mm -hmm. it's just not me. So one thing that is still in the back of my mind from our earlier conversation is the department chair that you were so close with. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear, what was it like for you sitting in his chair? <laughs> That's a great question. One of the other faculty at the time, uh, when he when I became department chair and he came in my office and Harry Lyle was the department chair who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Harry had passed away already. And 
Ian Chandra, who's passed away subsequent to this too, but he came to my office and said, Harry, you'd be so proud of you. Mm. Yeah. I still have a hard time with that, as mm. far as emotional. Yeah. That was uh, something else. You just don't get to do that very often. And uh, how many people literally sit at the desk of their mentor and do that job? If there's anybody who got blessed, it was me. Mm-hmm. To do that. It just doesn't happen very often at all, yeah. kind of stuff. So it was pretty emotional to even do that at all. Um, hopefully, I did it well. Hopefully, he would be proud of me, you know, always in the back of my mind. Mm. He was a pretty successful department chair um, as well, too. I probably did it longer than <laughs> <laughs> But uh, there was a great legacy in the department, and you just Fairly. hope that you continue with that legacy. Yeah. History will tell me whether that happened. So it was pretty emotional yeah. to, to be there when I thought about it and trying to say, I want to live up to his standard. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So my final question is, yeah. we have all these students that will hopefully be listening to this podcast. What's one piece of advice you would want to give to students? Follow your heart. I mean, don't do things just to put them on your resume or be a major that you think, oh, just do that. Follow your passion, do it well, look for those opportunities, take advantage of those opportunities. You don't know where they're gonna occur. You don't know know, where the world's gonna take you. As I say in many of my speeches, five years ago, would we have thought that Amazon was gonna be my local grocery store? And if I look at 10 years ago, when I thought Blockbuster is out of business and Netflix is only in the streaming business. Mm -hmm. No, so in other words, Business changes, organization changes, disruption is happening everywhere. Financial technology, healthcare technology, business technology, all that is constantly changing. So you gotta prepare yourself to be in a changing world, but follow what you wanna do with it. Mm-hmm. You can't, don't force yourself into, a, into something that you don't like or, 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 or you know, somebody thinks that you should do that because you'll, one, happiness is, is not underrated, mm. right, kind of stuff. And so, so do, do, do what you want, you know, and, 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 and follow it and do it well. And then when opportunities present themselves, you know, take advantage of those, and they will present themselves. They will if you do, if people think you're enthusiastic about a job. One of the biggest compliments I ever got when I was teaching in, in Korea hmm. for the summer. I was in a summer school yeah. program over in Korea and teaching. My class was mostly students from Korea. Hmm. It was an international program, but most of my students, the second time I taught there were, were Korean students. And one goes, you're kind of one of the funniest and most interesting accounting professors we've ever had. <laughs> that was a big compliment to me that you enjoyed the class. Yeah. You, you got my passion. You really in, in, enjoyed what I was doing. So in mm. that sense, that was rewarding for me that I must have been connecting to them. And that's what everybody should do. You want to connect. You want to feel good about what you do. So don't force yourself in, in some way. Sometimes you've got to get uncomfortable. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Don't, you know. Go after the things that you really believe in. Be agile, right? Mm-hmm. Think, you know, that, that who knows where your life is really going to take you. So I think mine was going to take me here. Yeah. But just you know, go I after it. No, but I got no complaints. <laughs> right? I mean, literally, how you know privileged and honored I was to even be doing this job. And somebody said, "Oh, thank you for being a dean." <laughs> you don't have to thank me for you know, me. I, this is such an honor and privilege to be able to serve. This way for however I, uh, however I long I do this. Mm-hmm. It's just like, 
wow, this is cool, this is great. Yeah. I would have never expected that to happen. Yeah. And that will happen to so many, so many folks. But, you know, take advantage of that and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Life is short. Yeah. <laughs> great. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, feel free to edit away. Thanks for listening. I hope you gleaned some leadership insights from our conversation and are inspired to be an authentic, inclusive leader like Mark. Once again, this is the Business Leadership Podcast, and it's brought to you by the William Isaac and Michael Oxley Center for Business Leadership. The CBL is an undergraduate leadership program housed in the Farmer School of Business at Miami University in Ohio. The CBL provides a leadership experience that transforms the educational and experiential leadership development of top farmer school students. We hope to create generations of authentic leaders focused on producing lasting value for the global business community. For more information, visit our website at miamioh.edu slash FSB slash centers slash CBL. I hope you have a great day. Thank you.